0: This is The First Years, a podcast about the unicorns of American agriculture, first-generation farmers, and the guts, grit, determination, and business prowess required to be one. Welcome to this week's episode of The First Years. Today we are chatting with Heather Moore. Heather is a first-generation dairy farmer in Iowa. So Heather, tell me about your farm as it is today. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. So um,
1: my husband, Brandon, and I um, started our dairy four years ago. We have uh, between 50 and 60 registered Holstein cows. Um, and then we also have a 800 head feedlot where my husband custom backgrounds um, feeder cattle. Um, my husband also works full time off the farm for a company called Big Gain, a, a, a Excuse me, animal nutrition company, and then um just about a year ago, we started to have some of our milk made into custom uh cheese and opened a uh, small shop on our main street in our uh, downtown and on our hometown um in Makokota, so we have quite a few uh enterprises going on yeah yeah,
0: and I read that you did not. Or maybe you you were on a dairy when you were a small small child, but didn't really grow up around dairy. Is that true?
1: Um. Yes. Well. Yes and no. I guess so. I I do come from a long line of dairy farmers, um, and farmers. Uh, and when I was uh very young, until um, I was ten, I, I grew up on a a multi or we had a multi generational, um, very small grade B dairy in southwestern Wisconsin. When I was, um. 10 so I think it was like fifth grade um my my parents made the choice that they were no longer going to farm and we moved off the farm um my my dad and my grandpa also had a a excavating business and they decided to focus on that and then the cows were sold later that that fall so um while we do have a pretty strong dairying background um it, it all kind of ended there um I was fortunate enough um My mother's father also farmed, and uh, I I showed some of his cows at the, or heifers actually at the county fair. Never really did very well, always was kind of at the bottom of the class, but um, it was enough to spark a a fire. And uh, they sold the cows when I was 16. And um, it was just always my dream to to get back onto a dairy farm. Um, And, you know, being a woman, Without a farm to go back to, I, I had this idea that um, that I wasn't going to be ever be able to go back to production dairy. So I went to UW Platteville um, to major in agriculture education. And about my junior year, I said, "You know, this is, is this is really stupid because my heart is still in um, this production dairy production agriculture, and so why am I going to school um, to just be on the fringes of?" of where my heart really is so I kind of um I had an animal science major uh with a at that time I had a dairy emphasis um with the idea that someday no matter what uh, I would be back on a dairy farm um and then as it often happens I met my husband there who is a he's actually a a second generation farmer. His dad was a very first generation farmer. He was a a town kid. His uh, dad had owned a tavern. Like there was no farming at all in his background. Um, A lot of trucking, but no farming. And his dad had decided that he wanted to start a farm. So he um, started a beef and sheep and hog farm. Um, But my husband is the oldest of eight. So when it came time for for us to kind of go on return to the uh or decide to return to the operation, we decided to go out on our own. So I ended up long story, I guess I ended up in Iowa with a farmer or a husband who had never ever milked a cow. Um we had stock cows on rented pastures um for the first oh five or six years and uh then the opportunity came to purchase our farm, which was set up for feeder cattle. It was still no dairy. And um you know, so we, we moved and we downsized the stock cows. We started backgrounding these calves. And a few years after that, the opportunity came to purchase this piece of ground next to us. Um, and so we talked long and hard about what we were gonna do. We decided we needed to go for it. Uh, we went to the FSA office to see if we could get some funds for it. And um, our FSA load officer actually is the one who said, Hey Heather, we know everybody knows you're you're that crazy girl from Wisconsin who wants a dairy farm. Why don't why, why don't your plants have a dairy farm in it? And I kind of said, <laughs> or, you know, he was he was kind of joking around, and I told him exactly what we wanted to do. He said, you write it up, you make it cash flow, and let's make it happen. So um, four years ago, last week actually, we were able to bring cows home for the first time. So um, yes, my husband and I, we say we're we're, we're first generation. Farm um but multi-generation farmers, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I wanna pause here for a minute because I think often um and I, I, I think it's a cultural thing at this point, but we live in a society that wants gratification and success right now. Um and so I wanna pause and I want you to share just a little bit about what it felt like when you were moving towards farming, but it wasn't towards dairy farming like how did you keep going when the 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 path was not where you you wanted it to go
1: you know that was that was a little bit difficult um as a, a as a person who really likes to just go for things um that's something that um my husband and i both have in common like we 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 want something to happen so okay what are we going to do to make it happen and there was almost um, it was the five or six years where I was, uh, you know, working, working in town. I was a, I worked for the 4-H. I was a special events coordinator at a nonprofit, you know, we worked at a feed, it worked at a feed store, did all of these things that my heart wasn't necessarily in. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed my time as a 4-H, uh, with the 4-H and with the nonprofits, and those are my other passions but it really wasn't where my heart belonged I thought and so you know it was it was a little bit of a struggle to uh, keep your eye on the prize and just knowing how much um it would take to be a dairy farmer uh was was kind of daunting um you know I'm, I'm very grateful that the FSA officer or you know said you know, where, where are your plans in this? Um, because I, I don't know, I I honestly don't know if it had been for him, if we would have, uh, decided that we needed to take the plunge, um, at that point in time. So, you know, I guess it, it, it was difficult, uh, not moving towards, you know, my, my lifelong goal. And we, we did, uh, when I moved to Iowa from Wisconsin, I brought with me two Holstein Gavs, um, you know, and so I still, was able to keep my foot a little bit in the door um, with these these two heifers that we had and uh, bred, and um, we're grateful or thankful and lucky enough to have another farmer who housed them for us. Um, but yeah, it was it was inc- very difficult um, just on a personal level to to move towards uh, or to to be moving towards this farm, but not not where my heart was, and. The, My husband, uh, thankfully for him, he did kind of allow my voice into the, into the, the beef herd, especially the stock cow side. And and I did get into that and, and learn quite a bit and, um, you know, was able to help him meet some of his goals, um, as far as that goes too. So, you know, we were, I, we were able to do that. So it's, it's kind of fun now that he comes into the dairy barn and, you know, we talk about our goals there too, because he is, uh he's still four years into it has never milked a cow, Um,
0: but. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It's, it's like the advice that my husband's grandmother, um, gives, she says to all her brides, but anyone that marries into our family, she says, you never need to learn how to milk a cow because if you know how, then you'll have to do it. And for me, I met my husband and knew how to milk a cow. And so I had milked plenty before we got married. And, um, she always says, her her big joke about me is that she didn't catch me soon enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's actually, I, I've gotten that advice before. Um, when I was working at the extension office, uh, we had an older lady as our secretary, and um, when we moved on to the farm, she said, okay, I'm only going to tell you this once, but do not learn how to do anything you don't want to do every day. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, There will never be just that one time. When you know how to do it, you're going to do it every day.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's so, so so true. Um, So I want to go back to you go to your FSA office. You're trying to get a loan for some land that's adjacent to you. Um, What year was that when your loan officer said, hey, by the way, I know this is something you really want. Let's figure out how to do it.
1: So that was 2014, um, which was, the heyday i feel like of the the modern dairy farm
0: i mean that could have been lucky timing because had it been 2009 or 2010 or 2011 or even 2016 he probably wouldn't have been so gung-ho to say like hey let's figure this out
1: oh exactly um and you know even in 2014 to to finance a dairy farm or a brand new from scratch dairy facility for these two young kids who only wanted to milk 50 cows I mean that he he definitely put his kind of put himself on the line there for us and um you know I don't I don't know that that it would have been an option if we were trying to start it right now um I'd like to think maybe it would be but yeah but yeah I think that that we probably got pretty lucky with the timing yeah. at that point in time I don't know sure. if I've been so lucky after that but <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah so I want I also want to touch base a little bit um I read that you built a brand new tie stall barn which um probably I would say from from your peers did you get some did you get a little bit of like side eye for doing that like wh- why would you do that or did people think it was just what sh- what you should do um no, everybody
1: thinks that we're crazy um, still. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that was that was kind of part of um, I don't want to say the deal, but kind of why I've been, I and I've been actually told this by um, not FSA, but another lender uh, was we built we built our barn with the idea that if we sold our cows, um, you know, if if the bottom fell out of the dairy industry, we had to sell out that um, we wouldn't have. A parlor and a freestyle just sitting there that we could turn this uh, you know barn into a, m- a million different things, so basically, what we did was we built an insulated pole shed and we put um, sand bedded tie stalls in it, and you know with the idea that if if this goes south, we still have that investment that's worth something, and we didn't put all this time and effort and money into a building that maybe wouldn't be able to be repurposed for something else. Um, so when it, you explain it like that people understand but when you say oh yeah I'm, I'm just going to put up 50 ties stalls," they're like oh honey
0: <laughs> Yeah I mean cuz when I read it I thought well that's interesting and then just listening to you explain it my thought was well that's actually really super smart
1: So and the other thing is um as we went into this knowing that um labor was going to be an issue that money was going to probably Right. And, um not that you can't milk alone in a parlor but as far as ease of getting cows in and out and getting things moved you know we wanted to to start where we only it's I mean it is still a lot of work but it, I can do it by myself so yeah. that was a, a big factor um, in that decision.
0: So when you set out so you go to your FSA agent you say he says like, Hey, by the way, let's build a dairy. That sounds fun. And you're like, yeah, that actually does sound fun. So then you go to put your budgets together and try and try to make it cash flow. At that point, you weren't selling your milk. Um, you weren't making cheese that you're selling yourself yet. Right. So where were you selling your milk at that point?
1: Um, we're, we still sell to Brewster cheese in Stockton, Illinois. Um, the majority of our milk goes there. They uh, picked us up uh, pretty much right away, when or uh, you know a few months before we started started uh, farming, um, okay. they so yep. Um, and as of right now, uh, so we we were we are still making cheese. We're making it on a limited basis, um, which is kind of something else that we fell into. We decided we were going to custom make some cheese. We thought we would wholesale it. Uh, maybe put a a small building on the farm. Um, We had one picked out that we could turn into a warehouse, but then it ended up that there was a building in town that was sitting empty for super, super cheap rent, great landlord, Um, and so last November, actually it was September, we we decided we were opening a a cheese store and then took six weeks to get it ready and going, Um, but it was actually less or more cost effective to To rent the building in Main Street and um, rent all of our coolers and everything, than it was going to be to put a warehouse out at the farm and try to wholesale this cheese. So um, we have kind of scaled back our our cheese sales as of now, and we're mostly selling it out of out of the, our Main Street location and a few uh, retailers in town. But um, so we're probably doing oh a few thousand pounds over the last year. Or so. Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. I, I always think it's, I think it's interesting too. And I, I'm hoping you can speak to it a little bit, but I feel like as, as an industry, we're at a point in, and sometimes I get um, nasty reader feedback for saying things like this. So here we go. Um, but I think we're at a point in the industry where if you want to be a small farm and stay small, then you have to figure out how to have a niche market, right? That's just the reality. Um, the opposite um, of that is to get large. So I w- I'm hoping that you can speak a little bit to like how that worked for you guys, like how you decided this is going to be our niche and this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to stay profitable.
1: Um, absolutely. That's that's our exact thinking. Um, we're not actually in dairy country here in Iowa. We're, we're south of the, the actual dairy counties. Um, and so there's a lot of hog farmers and beef farmers and, you know, even some chicken farmers. And um, my husband and I have been talking since prices uh, dropped three months after we started shipping milk, you know, and people might not like this, but we're we're seeing a lot of parallels in the dairy industry to what the hogs did, to what the chickens did, Um, you know, hogs in the early 90s. Um, And if we're wrong we're wrong and that's great and you know we kind of hope we're wrong because we don't necessarily know if uh, there is there's a lot of benefits to small farms um you know there's there's a lot of there's benefits to the way that things are, go in large and in, in large farms and we don't have anything against large farms um you know don't don't get us wrong there but i think that the i i wish that we hadn't lost the diversity um, you know, and the chickens and the hogs and I hope we don't lose the diversity in the dairy. However, um when we were talking about what we were going to do, knowing that we only had these fifty cows, we discussed, you know, should we get bigger? You know, that's that's probably what we need to to do um is to get bigger or we need to get more for our milk. And um, you know, the only way we're gonna get more for our milk is if we take over the processing of it, and the mark, you know, and and make that direct to consumer product, and um, we ultimately decided that we really enjoy the mitigation, the risk mitigation that comes from having multiple enterprises on our farm, um, because you know, right now the the large farms may be – they do have an advantage as far as uh, profit per cow, things like that, but it, at a certain point you know, do they lose that advantage? Is it more advantageous for us to still have our beef cattle? Um, And we really do think, really do. And like that aspect of it that, you know, usually when dairy is down, um, beef is up or when beef is down, dairy is up, you know? And uh, so we decided that, that growing wasn't necessarily for us because we really enjoy having the multiple enterprises and then also, kind of like I spoke to before, my husband is a, a beef farmer. He's not, not a dairy farmer. Um, just ask him. And uh, if we were to get larger, you know, he would he would have to take on more of that role. Uh, you know, because we do have uh, small children and, and things like that. And um, we just decided that 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 maybe didn't make sense for us. And so then we turned into um, well, let's let's make some cheese. Let's see how it goes. If it goes really well, maybe this is something that we need to look into and um, it has gone remarkably well. So
0: that's super exciting. So I, um, when I was doing a little bit of research before talking to you today, I was reading about how you are going to expand your storefront to include um, food, which I think is really fun. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um,
1: So we, we, kind of laugh a little bit that um, we made our decision to open a store at a wedding dance where there were some drinks involved and then <laughs> we decided that maybe we should add, add a kitchen at the cattleman banquet where there were some drinks involved and then we <laughs> went to the dairy banquet and did not go to the bar because we were out of time and we're out of money. <laughs> um, but that was uh, one of the things that we did um, our, our small town doesn't have a lot of um, lunch options. It, it There's a few small local places uh, that are mostly like bars, um, you know, some fast food and stuff like that. And my husband, who uh, spends a lot of his days on the road and, you know, stopping to eat, he, he said, you know, I wish there was a place where I could just get a sandwich, you know, that didn't sit on the warmer for two hours that was just really good and, you know, good, wholesome ingredients. And um, we have a neighbor who makes fantastic bread. We get butter from WW Homestead, um, which is another Iowa creamery. Um, And then we also, of course, have our cheese. And so we said, all right, let's make some grilled cheese um, and offer it between 11 and two for lunch. And now it's kind of grown into, um, Friday is Mac and Cheese Day. Today, I think they're having chicken and noodles at the shop. Um, you know there's just a it's kind of a hit that you know we we have a very small shop and um a couple weeks ago we served 15 people for lunch which doesn't seem like a big deal but when you only have two table or two chairs and one table and you serve for two hours it is kind of a big deal yeah
0: that is that's
1: (laughs) so um yeah it's it's just been an opportunity to um use our product and use some of the other products that we have in our store and, um, you know, add some, some value and and become kind of well-known in our downtown. Um, you know, everybody in Maquokan knows that Friday's Mac and cheese day at Moore family farm. So it's been really cool to, to see that grow.
0: That is awesome. I think that's such a great idea and such a great example of, uh, what's that, what's that, um, Theodore Roosevelt quote, uh, doing uh what you can with what you have where you are like I think that's a really exactly cool
1: that. um I mean and that really that really speaks honestly to to what we're what we do is um you know it just like the barn that that we we put up with a backup plan in place um you know we we decided we, we figured out how much it would cost to make that first batch of cheese and realized that um it would cost us less if a cow died in the pasture than it would to to try this cheese. And why not try it? And, um, you know, our storefront was a coffee shop. We didn't have to paint anything. We rented coolers. Uh, you know, everything is, is very, um, humble. <laughs> you know, you walk into, you walk into our store and it's definitely not a franchise, but, um, you know, we, it kind of speaks to who we are and, and, uh, what we do is just try to make things work with what we have. So
0: I love that. I think that's so great and and really good inspiration too for people who are trying to think, you know for those other farmers out there that are trying to think like what could diversification look like for me and what what could added value look like for me because it could be a grilled cheese shop or it could be you know, a little coffee stand. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, okay, so I live in a small town and you live in a small town. And uh, my husband and I actually milk sheep and goats. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of, um, a lot of discussion about that in the town when we started. Um, what is the worst advice you've ever received? Because I'm sure that on this journey, uh, there was a lot of opinions.
1: Um, you know, I don't know if I can pinpoint it to the worst advice. But I know there was a lot of feeling, and sometimes there still is a lot of feeling that there's only one way to dairy farm. Um, or, you know, every 50 cow farm or every registered farm has to look like this. And you have to do this. And you have to have this, you know. Um, for example, one of the things we do is we try to outwinter our cows as much as possible. Um, as long as it's not below zero, as long as there's not a foot of snow. Um, we, we are very blessed that, um, we have 15 feet of blow sand in our dry lots. And so, you know, the the cows, as long as we keep them dry and out of the wind, they, they love to go outside and be outside and do better when they're outside. Um, and that's just kind of one of the things that kind of goes against a lot of traditional, Small, t- or small farm or even large farm, you know, with the freestyle thinking, you know, that you, you can't put your cows outside and still have them produce. Um, but ultimately, in farming and in life, you have to figure out what works for you. And if it works for us, we're going to do it that way, no matter if everyone thinks we're crazy, kind of like the Thai style thing, kind of like, um, you know, the, the not getting bigger because we want to have our beef cattle thing. You know, you just have to figure out what works for you and do the best job you can, um, you know, with what you have. So that's kind of kind of one of the things that uh, sometimes is a little bit hard for us as other producers maybe don't take us as seriously because there's this set of things that we just don't do because it doesn't work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably the... Like I said, it's not so much for worse advice, but um, yeah, one of the one of the things, like you said, a lot of people have a lot of opinions, but unless they're there on your farm, doing what you do every day, they maybe you should keep them to themselves.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yes, I think that I think that you're right about that. Um, okay, so there's one question I ask every guest on the podcast: To what do you credit uh, your success this far? Do you think that it um, was the result of your skill and your hard work? Do you think that it was lucky timing? I mean, you you mentioned that you got your loan through FSA in two thousand and fourteen. I mean, what what do you think was the secret sauce to being successful? Honestly,
1: I think the secret to our success has to do with the people that we have surrounded ourselves with. We've just been given so many opportunities by so many different people. Um, I didn't mention before, but we bought our first um 40 acres on land contract um because someone saw some promise in my husband and you know wanted to sell their farm to a young couple who could make it work. Um, when the parcel next to us came for sale, we were again approached uh personally by the owner to buy it. Um, you know, our, our landlord in town uh gave us a great deal on rent to see if we could get it going our FSA officer, our banker, um, you know, they they came, you know, they, they took on a chance and, and, and uh, financed a 50-cow dairy when maybe a lot of people probably wouldn't, even in 2014. Um, so we have just been very, um, very lucky and very blessed as to who has, the people that have surrounded us. Um, and I, while well, I would like to say that that, uh, you know, we owe everything to our hard work. I don't think that that's, that's true. I think um, we owe a lot of, of what has worked on our farm to, um, to the other people who have taken a chance on us and to the, um, everyone who has supported the store, everyone who has, um, you know, sold us cows on contract, you know, things like that. We just have been, I'm very lucky to be surrounded by some really, really wonderful people who have wanted to see us succeed. So.
0: I just think it's great. I think your whole story is great. And I'm so thankful that you took the time to be on the podcast with me today, Heather.
1: Well, thank you so much for having us. You.
0: been uh, wonderful. No problem. Guys, until next week, this has been this week's episode of The First Years.